Welcome to Wednesday Night Musical Osmosis, where intellectual dissonant thought meets melodic euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Source, broadcasting to you live, as always, from the shadow of Hurricane Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my percussively proficient co-host, calling all the way in from Charm City, Mr. Odell Norman. Odell. Hey, hey. what's going on, guys? Nothing. How are you feeling today? Uh, I was in a state of shock for a good stretch there, but I'm coming back to uh, coming back down. Okay, uh, I, we're not going to talk much about what happened, only because if we start talking, I'll never be able to stop, and I won't even <laughs> like even get to my guest. So, D, tell us who's coming up on the shows and who we got coming up today. Of course. Well, this Friday is going to be super duper fun because we have got uh, Miss Deborah Lamb and we are doing some horror movie trivia. Horror screen queen icon. Yes. The 80s and 90s Deborah Lamb. Yes. Yes. Making a comeback now. I think it's going to be pretty interesting to see just who knows more about horror flicks, the woman who's been in them, or you. I don't watch a whole lot of horror movies. No, I I know. I yeah, I know. I wa- probably. Watch I mean, I watch the mainstays, like mainstays, like Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street and fourteen oh eight. I like that movie and Event oh, Horizon. But the low budget ones, the one that are just like women cutting their own lips off and yeah. people like ripping fetuses out of pregnant women and killing Ew. them. Like I can't get into that stuff. No, I can't get behind <laughs> that. Uh, yeah, so that's going to be this Friday and that's going to be tons of fun. And then next Friday, we're going to play trivia with comedian Dwayne Jackson. And that will also be tons of fun. Um, some of our listeners may know him from our joke of the day segment on tincan.media. Is there ever a trivia that you'll promote that say Addis trivia is probably not going to be that much fun? Uh, so, you know, maybe you don't to want do to listen math. to this episode. It's probably going to kind of suck. No, only if it had to do with like math or 
I don't know, math. Um, <laughs> How's the Phil bringing trivia back? We it feels pretty trivia. good. Yeah, um, we tend to take off quite a bit of the fall because there's, you know, marching band and football games and blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, it's uh, it's starting to get a little chilly, so it's time to get inside, grab a few beers, and have some fun. Yeah. And then tonight. Grab your tin can and a tuna sandwich. Grab your tin can as long yeah. as it's filled with beer, buddy. I don't know about the tuna. <laughs> tuna and beer doesn't sound good. Uh, but tonight, in case anybody missed that intro song, that was Heavy Metal Parking Lot. And the mind behind Heavy Metal Parking Lot, Mr. Jeff Krillick, is going to be with us very, very soon. Um, yeah. And, yeah, we are going to rock it out. Now, this rock. is a movie that had a huge impact on me and my friends. And before we get them in here... I'll do my usual, like, set the Wayback Machine and talk about why I booked this particular guest. Odell, was this a movie that was on your radar back when you were, you know, whatever? I think it came out in 86, so the 80s and 90s? I, I The first time I saw it was in, like, 92, 92 or 93, and it was at, um, what, I think it was Brian Roberts' house, if I'm not mistaken, um, down in Waldorf. I could be wrong, but um, yeah, it was one of those things that somebody just had it and brought it over, and we were just hanging out, and um, and they put it on, and I I couldn't get enough of it. It was it was it was tremendous. I actually showed it to uh, the fellas at our band practice last week, and they were like, "Oh my gosh, I can't!" Like even like um, Ryan, who's in the band, he's younger than all all of us. He's in his he's thirty one, and he was actually looking in the footage to see if his parents were there because they were they were in. Oh in, God, how that make you and, feel? I know. I, I was like, like wow. Like, oh, yeah. It's but he was like, like dad at sixteen. Yeah, he like wondered if my parents were there. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. You're like, oh, younger, like twelve years younger than you know I am. So, wow. Yeah, All right. So you sent me an article this week. Thank you because I didn't even think to pick something out for um for the pre you know interview part of the show. And we're oh, yeah. doing, I don't know if we're going to do a show next month. The holidays get really busy and it gets harder and harder to book guests. I know it we've does. got some great people lined up for all the shows. And um, the end of the year after show. After the first. I'm sorry? And the end of the year show. And the end of the year show, which yes. I've already got a few confirmations of guests from 2016. But I'll table that until I've got an actual schedule. I think we'll do about a three-hour show. And have a couple musical guests on too, Odell. So we'll kind of do a musical portion and then split okay. it up and do some other portions. I'm still kind of okay. banging out that format. But um, okay. yeah, we've got a lot of good people coming up next year. I'm excited about and a lot of prospects. But I think things are going to be hit or miss for the rest of the year. So anybody that is checking out tincan.media, go ahead and check it out. But I can't promise stuff's going to be on there on too consistent of a basis. I apologize. We all work day jobs as well. And the holidays are about family. You know, my family already doesn't get to see as much as me as I would like because I'm held up in here working on shit after my day job. But um, anyways, we've got good stuff coming up. And I'm going to launch a couple new shows after the first of the year. I'm going to launch a show where it's just one-way politics. It's just it's going to be me and a comedian. And it's going to be called The Funny Thing About Politics. And I'm just going to bring a comedian on every week. And we're just going to pull a couple funny stories and talk about it in a lighthearted way. No more panels for me. My nerves can't take it. Um, I've been in a very bad way for the last few weeks in a way that I haven't been, God, at least for 10 years, if not longer. Mm -hmm. 
So I've got to get myself in better spiritual, mental, and emotional health if I'm going to keep doing this. And then we're going to do another quick show once a week with Fern called 15-Minute Fact Hole. And I'm just going to pull one thing, and I'm going to be like, Fern, just give us the unbiased, you know, not partisan facts, the numbers and the okay. data. And once again, now, of course, you could go, well, how do we know that the Census Bureau isn't part of an evil uh, Illuminati cabal and those numbers are actual numbers and blah, blah, blah. But the facts as we vet them, we'll put them out there and people can take them or they can throw them away, whatever. Once again, in this heated atmosphere, in this boiling pot, this melting pot that's become a fucking furnace, the back and forth has gotten so vitriol and hateful. It's just not something I'm interested in anymore after four years. And I and you guys yeah. can understand that, right? Because it was Definitely. really starting to take a lot of its toll on me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I can uh, I remember talking to you about it a few times and and then um just seeing some of the messages you had been writing, I was like, Oh, yeah. And it does. It's very it's been it, it, it you know, not to jump it delve into it too much, but it's been it it's been draining, man. It's been the most probably the most draining and everyone saw it coming right that the ignorance equation yeah. is going to end with the strained relationships and yeah. just yeah. everything going on behind the scenes yeah and that's just and it's sad you know it's sad in a sense because it's like if you have your own opinion you know people are hating you for it instead of just you know, like respecting your opinion well today i, I like got unfriended by clinton voters who said because i voted third party that I don't care about the gay community or the black community or the Hispanic community. Otherwise, I would have casted a direct anti-vote towards Trump. And then Democrats were being called traitors, of course, and then Trump supporters were being blamed for destroying the world. I just I had to walk away. After five years, I feel like I've done my civic duty. But on the upside, right. we do have another um, another podcast that podcasters – that will be joining us uh, yes. with a different show. I kind of want to keep that under wraps until we get the. Um, we'll we get make an everything. announcement by the end of the year show because yeah, all this yeah, stuff yeah. will be solidified. Because they then. already have stuff on another page, but um, everything is going to be migrating over to TinCan.media, and uh, we're going to have some new episodes of that show, and it's going to be super awesome. It is. It is. The new podcaster is amazing. I listen to his show, and nice. all he needs is to write marketing and development, and I think he'll be going big places. All right, let me get to this. You sent me an article. Once again, thank you, Odell. You've always got my back. Um, about bands who have put out songs where the remake was better than the original. Some of these I haven't yeah. heard of, but let's run through the 17 of these, and we can yeah. kind of debate this. So the first one is Cake. I Will Survive. Uh, right. I thought it was Gloria Estefan for some reason. Gloria Gaynor, I guess. Gloria Gloria Gaynor, yeah. Mm -hmm. Originally did this song in 1978. Funny story about this, man. When I was little, and I'm talking like eight years old, uh, my cousin Tarina had put this song on, and this was back on vinyl. And I was sitting at the table, at the coffee table, and this is their house was really nice. They had money. And I had two ink pens. And I was beating on the table. Even at eight years old, I wanted to be a musician. And I was beating uh-huh. along till I'll survive. And one of the pens exploded and stained like they're really nice. I don't remember if it was marble or oak. It was a very high-end coffee table. And ink went uh-huh. everywhere. And they got so uh-huh. pissed off at me. My Uncle Floyd went off on me. And he's scary, dude. He's been in this country 40 years. And he still can't speak the, the language. You can still barely understand him. 
But that's what I always remember about it. I, I will survive. I'm like, I will survive. And all of a sudden, like the pen, I hit it too hard on the table and ink just exploded all over the place. Uh-huh. Anyways, um, and I'm going really fast. I know I'm going a mile a minute here. We got a little behind. I don't want to leave Jeff hanging on too long when he calls. But that cake, was- I will survive. Because of the horns and especially that, I like the remake better than the original. What say you, Dee and Odell? Oh, I, I I like the 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 original for me was it's you know just a brief story. It seemed like in college when they would play that song, that was like the girls' anthem for whatever. So like all the girls would run out on the floor and dance with each other, and it was like oh yeah we we made it for whatever reason. Yeah, but um, a, yeah, I definitely like the <laughs> I definitely like the cake version uh, better just because cake made it like theirs, if you will. All the stuff that they do in their songs, they actually put into this, and you know, even the way even the way my man is singing, you know, singing the song, it's very it's very cake. And, yeah, he uh, has a lot yeah. of cadence. I really like that cake singer because I just love his cadence. Yes, yes, yep. <clears throat> all right, um, this next song. This will have to be all you, because um, I've never heard the remake or the original. The original is by Joy Division, who's somebody I never listened to. It's from the Crow's soundtrack, the remake oh, version. Yeah. Nine Inch yeah. Nails, which is a band I love. And I looked up Trent Reznor not too long ago, and he just seems like a very washed up, I'm, let's not say fat, but full middle-aged man. And it was kind of <laughs> sad to see him looking like you know a dad you would see at someone's soccer game. Dad Our guy's sitting <laughs> yeah, well, he's doing like soundtracks and stuff. He won a, a an Emmy, really, this year or, or last year? Yeah, for um, somebody's soundtrack. Yeah, he's been doing like more behind the scenes stuff. And well, that I know original that, album he did all by himself. He played all the instruments on Pretty Hate Machine. Yeah, and yeah, produced it. Yeah, he has. A, he's in a couple groups. He's actually bringing Nine Inch Nails back. But um, it was funny because he talked about. Uh, not to drag this out, but he talked about it a handful of years ago. He was like, look, I can't be the angry goth guy <laughs> in my, you know, mid forties, almost 50. So it's gotta be a moment in time when something happens where, uh, I would remind his nails back in the panel, I guess. Now he's, he's, uh, um, really thinking about, um, bringing them back. I don't know if they're, so if he's less angry, does he come back with like six inch nails? Yeah, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> five inch, you know, five inch nails. Not quite nine inch nails anymore with five inch nails. What you going to do? All right, so Joy Division, I don't know any of this. Dead Souls, what say you, better or worse? Um, I like both songs a lot. Um, for me, I, I mean, I, I like Joy Division, but I was more in nine inch nails, so I sort of favor the nine inch nails version. But yeah, if you get a chance to hear it, it's a great. I mean, that soundtrack's phenomenal, anyways. But um, the Crow soundtrack. But um, yeah, that particular song is, is really good. It, it, it'll it'll stick to you. It'll well, they have all the videos on here, so I did listen to them. I just didn't recognize them. It wasn't okay. anything okay. I remember hearing before. Okay, we got to go real fast. We got Jeff on the line. Uh, Beck, okay. everybody's got to learn something once again. Um, Corcus, I guess, was the original band. I mm-hmm. did, this band was not on my radar. Neither versions. Yeah, neither version for me either. I haven't really gotten into that one. <laughs> All right, Bajork, once again, Betty Hutton. I don't know who that is. Um, it's oh so quiet. I uh, yeah. I have to believe, even though I didn't hear the original, that anything by Bajork is going to be better than the original. Bjork yeah, makes everything Bjork, better. This song yeah, is yeah. so this song is so good. <laughs> 
her version of it. The video, and then the video that capped it off, which is. Yeah, I watched that today. Um, Foo Fighters, Baker Street. Once again, Jerry Rafferty, don't know who that is, wasn't familiar with the song, so I'll let you tell me if it's a better or worse version. Oh, well, I'm I'm biased on that, too. But the Foo Fighters kill it. They they do great covers. So, um, you know, they did that. Darling Nikki is another one that they did. It's really, really good. Uh, You know, the Prince song. And I'm actually, uh, you know, Prince likes it so much that he covers a Foo Fighters song at the Super Bowl when he performed at the Super Bowl a handful of years back. So that was like his his uh, thank you to the Foo Fighters. That's how good uh, they wow. did Darling Nikki. Yeah, and then Down in the Park, which was off of the X Files soundtrack, that that their version of that is phenomenal. So yeah, they, everything they do as far as especially stuff like that, they just take they just knock it out of the park. Amazing. All right, here is a song by a guy I never heard of doing a remake that I've never heard of the song by a band called Knife I've never heard of. Not yeah. sure why this is on the list because I can't imagine Knife or Jose Gonzalez is big, but yeah. Heartbeats. Were any of these guys yeah. on your radar? I've heard Knife. I've heard their version of it. I've never heard Jose Gonzalez's, so yeah, I can't really talk too much on that one. All right, um, It's My Life by Talk Talk, redone by Gwen Savani and No Doubt. Um, Once again, I hadn't heard either of these songs. I didn't listen to a whole lot of pop music when I was young, mostly punk and underground stuff. Right, right. No, this is good. This is uh, No Doubt really did a good job on it. I I still like the Tall Talk version better, but No Doubt did a a really, really good uh, version of it. But uh, there's nothing better than the Tall Talk version of it. Just uh, the years that tracks and all that stuff here and there and and different places. So that's where... um, Definitely, I'll talk further about it. All right, Phil Collins. Of course, we all know Phil Collins from Genesis. Um, Against All Odds. Never heard that song, the Phil Collins version. How did I not know there was a band called The Postal Service? So good. They are such a great band. It's just uh, two guys. It's Ben Gibbard from um, Capital Cutie. He's a fun man for it. And Phil Collins' version is tremendous. I mean, everybody knows that version. But Postal Service, the Postal Service knocked it out of the park. It is just, it's a phenomenal song. Like, it's just one of my favorite cover songs, period, hands down. I thought it should be higher on the list. That's how good I thought it, I think it is. I mean, that's the beats, everything on that song is tremendous. The wow. Cover. Yeah. All right, really finally good. back to one I know Mad World. Um, yeah. This is going through a a bunch of different bands. I know it best from the Donnie Darko soundtrack. I didn't go yeah. back and listen to the Gen X version or um, Duran Duran or any of that, but this is just a song I love in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, the America's Very Got good. Talent version this year. Yep. He was the oh, best. Really? I don't even remember who it was. Okay. He, dude, he gave me goosebumps. Like, it was wow. amazing. He actually ended up performing it twice like that. And the first time was better because the second time it was like, okay, I already know how it sounds. But yeah, it was it was just like, oh, I love that song wow. so much. All yeah, right, eight it. more. We'll go through these real quick. Really Big Fish, Take Me On. I like the Really Big Fish version better. Yeah. Not that I yeah, didn't like too. the original AHA version. I love that video. I used to watch it obsessively when I was a kid. But I like yeah, the remake yeah. as well. Probably a yeah, little, it eked out a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. I definitely like it a little bit more than the uh, than the original. Okay, um, Sinead O'Connor, nothing compares to you. This was written by Prince, but is it yes, a remake? It was. 
Because I didn't know, was this performed by Prince or just written by him? I thought initially it was just written for her. Um, uh, but I know, um, uh, I'm not sure how that works out. I, I mean, yeah, I think I mean, I've Prince heard it once by it. him. I think I've heard it just one time. I said, I think I've heard it once by him. I don't know if it was released yeah. here. I think it was on one of those Canadian music channel stations. Yeah, but can you consider watch. that a remake if it's not something he actually claimed is his and <sighs> toured and performed on? I see. Yeah, I, don't, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I know. I know they had a falling out, and then uh, he started playing it a little more after they had a falling out back in the day. So maybe, right. maybe he was like, it's my song. Six more. Enjoy the Silence by Failure. Another band I never heard of. Redoing a song by another band, Depeche Mode. I never got into really any of those new wave bands when I was young. Except maybe The Cure a little bit. Enjoy the Silence. First and foremost, Nick, you you need to listen to Failure. Failure is one of my favorite bands. Really? Have I heard them before around you? Have you played them in the car or at parties and stuff? I probably have. Uh, they're very heavy guitar. They actually um, just a couple weeks ago played up here in Baltimore. They redid um, wow their fan, their uh, Fantastic Planet album. Um, it's marking I think the, the gosh we're old like the 25th anniversary of it if I'm not mistaken. So they played it um, front to back and they played even all the little uh, interludes in between, which is pretty amazing. I didn't get to go to the show. Jamie. Uh, Jamie Jones and uh, Elizabeth went to the show. They said it was phenomenal. I saw them last year at the 930 Club with them. Um, you might remember Hum. Well, shit, maybe uh, I need they, to get them on there. Yeah, we were trying to get Hum actually to play um, Recess Fest, but they they, yeah. they wanted like six grand or something to play like a oh, yeah, set, yeah. and I was like, that's not that's yeah. way out of our budget. Yeah, we can't do that. Yeah, you, yeah if you ever get uh, fail, uh, failure, that's great, but... um. Yeah, Ken Andrews, who, you know, he's a great producer, so he's done stuff for Tool. He's produced Tool's albums, um, Perfect Circle, all those kind of bands. He, he does their stuff. But anyways, back to this. Um, I like, I, I, I love Failure's version, but I'm, I, I really like the Pension Mode's version just because it, it, it is what it is. It's one of those al- early albums for me that sort of got me listening to the um, alternative music, if you will. So Sweet. that's all definitely one of them. All right, um, Ryan Adams redoing Oasis Wonderwall. I was a little uh, bit upset that they left out The yeah. Mange. Actually, a punk band called The Mange does a remake of this as well. Yeah, that one's better than all of them. And um, I'm, I'm not a fan of either Ryan Adams or Oasis. So. But right. I, know that, I, I know your cover that you're talking about, and I love that. Yeah, that's a, a great cover. Yeah, um, Jeff Buckley, Hallelujah. Woo. Yeah. This a little dude, bit too I'm, slow for me. It's, it's a little slow, but it makes you pretty. Jeff Buckley was, uh, you talking about a talent that was gone so early, uh, lost so early. He drowned with a boat accident. He ended up drowning. Um, but his I voice, think we covered him in that weird death segment we did a few months ago, right? Yeah. So there was a so, lot yes, of drownings from artists. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff Buckley was one of them. And it's just amazing that his voice was, it's, so tremendous, and, and he could play a guitar really. I mean, he was phenomenal. He was just a talented dude. You know, it's one of those cats where you're like, man, you know, just gone way too soon, way too soon. And it's one of those things where you really appreciate his music after he, a few years after he's gone. Like me and Serge got Serge is a huge Jeff Buckley fan, and um, really, and Hollow, yeah, he's a massive Jeff Buckley fan. 
And um, Hallelujah was one of those songs that, yeah, it's really slow and, and stuff, but the way he does it, I love Jeff Buckley's version of it just because you really right. get to hear the pain and stuff in his voice. Which is Let's really get cool. through the last three. Um, speaking right. of pain and hurt, when Woo! I was young, yeah. I got a $10 gift certificate from a, from Rochelle, actually, to Suncoast Video, and I picked this up. It was only this video. I paid $10 fucking dollars for a video. Oh, wow. Of Johnny Cash's Hurt, which of course is a remake of the Nine Inch Nail version. Yeah. And I sat yes. there and watched Johnny Cash and tried to break this down in my mind. Like, I don't understand how this came to be. And now I should do the oh, research yeah. now that we have the internet. But I yeah. like I was like, how did this even come about? Johnny Cash is singing this with so much passion. Um, the video oh. is beautiful. If this I remember, was, Nick, uh, it was after his wife died. And I yeah, think that's yeah, where he so pulled he, a lot he of did a whole from. Yeah. cover album he did a yeah. whole album uh, of covers of like 90 so like he did hurt he did rusty cage yeah uh, i remember by, that uh, sound art. yeah yep. but this dude i'm 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 with you and and d on this one this one was one of those that i remember watching it i was in college and i remember watching it and we recorded it because it was so powerful mm-hmm. just like the imagery the real quick flashes of different things going on. His whole the old black and whites of him jumping yeah. off a train and stuff. Jumping off a train, it was like black and white and see that like matrixy color type stuff. And then it was like it was almost it's very similar to what we were talking about uh, months ago with David Bowie when he did that uh, last video for his last album when he was dying. Right, it's right. very similar. It's, it's almost like you know my time is coming to an end and and this is it and this is and yeah, if you, if you don't. I mean, those songs are phenomenal. That I can't yeah, but, believe didn't like wasn't on the radar of just the average show more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, two more. Let's get through these. Nirvana, the man yeah. who sold the world. Of course, we all remember that from MTV's old Unplugged show back when MTV oh, yeah. still stood yeah. for music television. Um, yeah. You know, I'm torn. I'm with both of them. I'm originally yeah, by David Bowie, of course. I I think it's about a tie, right? It's too different. Yeah, I think so too. It's not even comparable, right? No, it's not, and that's and that's the beauty of it. And I think your best covers come from that when a band can actually take it and make it theirs. And and I think uh, Nirvana really did that on on in that unplugged. I mean, that's I, heck. That was the song they always played on. You know, out of all the songs on the radio when you know that album came out, they always played "Man Who's Old the World" because it was so yeah so good. They did a meat covers song too, right? Yeah. What yeah. bad folks go when they die? They go. Yeah. Yeah. They. That's. I think that was the last song they did on that on that on that album. No. Uh, no, that wasn't it. They. Uh, they did another one too. They did. Uh, what was the? Um, My dear, uh, or whatever that. Would I lie to you? Tell me where did you sleep last night? That's a cover song too. Is that the original? Um, I don't know who did the original, but yeah, that's a cover song as well. The very last song. That one is like, I was shivering. Yeah, I used to have that tape. MTV marketed that into an actual cassette tape, if anybody out there still knows what a fucking cassette tape is. And um, (laughs) I used to listen to that incessantly, too. Yeah, I'll have to tell you a story off the air about cassette tapes. Uh, We went and saw a band the other night, and um, they actually redid some of their albums on cassette tapes. Sweet. All right, last one, and we'll get Jeff in here. White Stripes, Jolene. I'm not a White Stripes person, but I'm not a Dolly mm-hmm. Parton person, so I'm remaining neutral on this. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I mean, I, I like White Stripes, and I, I, I love Dolly Parton. 
Um, and I live right up Jack the street White. from Dolly World. Yeah. Or Dolly, Dolly World. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I love the White Stripes, but I can't sing their version. I can sing Dolly's version. Yeah, yeah. It's tough, man. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, a, it's definitely different. <laughs> All right. So we're going to get Jeff in here real quick. I want to set this up. Heavy Metal Parking Lot. I remember, um, God, probably very early on, I would say 88, 89, my buddy Steve Allman had a bootleg VHS of it. And we just watched it over and over again. And I know you said that you had watched it at Brian Roberts' house. Somebody had brought a VHS. And that was old school, right? That was like before, like music sharing like i'll go to soul seek now and just pick up some music or whatever but that was kind of like the music sharing of its time you'd have a party and somebody dude look what i look at this weird ep i got from germany like you would go to tower records and try to find the weirdest import music or you'd show up with some weird bootleg of a concert i mean a lot of times from wilmer's park and stuff like that and this just had a resounding effect on me and my friends like we could not believe like we felt famous just because it was at the Capitol Center. We grew up in Waldorf, so we felt mm-hmm. famous that it was at the Capitol Center right up the street, and there were kids from my school, not kids I hung out with, but I know there was kids from my school because I saw the concert shirts afterwards that went to that show. They're not in there, or at least I don't recognize them if they are, because I watched it a year ago. I ran across it on a Myruku box, and I even posted it, a trailer for it on my Facebook and I was like, hey, do any of you guys remember Heavy Metal Parking Lot? And people were like, holy shit. And I ran across it and I was amazed because I didn't know it was like a thing, right? Like I had never thought about that movie in, t- in 20 years or whatever. And I was like, how did somebody get this thing? Like I assumed like one of Steve's yeah. friends just filmed it. I didn't know it was an yeah. actual thing. So I was blown away finding it, running across that movie just randomly. Anyways, Jeff, are you with us? Hello, I'm with you. How you doing? Hey. I am doing great, sir. We started off talking about um, politics real quick, and it ran long. I am so sorry for keeping you waiting. That's all right. I was enjoying hearing about all the cover versions. I was okay. writing it down. I was really? Doing... I could send you the link yeah. if you want, Jeff. <laughs> Just like you sent me a link to Ernest Borgnine. I guess they're auctioning off his estate, and it's like – there's like an oven mitt in there or shit like that. Just random stuff. It's like $200 for an Ernest Bergnine oven mitt. Or like <laughs> this thing he painted, $2,000 for this painting of of a clown by Ernest. I was blown away from that link you sent me. Well, that's good. I was hoping it would uh, <laughs> do that or at least, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know what to think of it. It's basically an estate sale uh, for uh, everything that was in the house. That uh, he touched, I guess. Or, um, it's incredible. Yeah, it was, uh, and you did a movie with Ernest, too. And before we get into Heavy Metal Parking Lot, I got to say, I watched, um, what is it, Ernest Borgnine? I don't have the info right in front of me. Get on the bus or whatever, Ernest Borgnine's bus. Right, mm-hmm. Ernest Borgnine on the bus. On the bus. Yeah. On the bus, right? yeah. yeah. How it, did that a, movie yeah. not... Get, how did that movie not get bigger than the Heavy Metal Parking Lot? Because that movie was charming. Ernest Borgnine is a legend, a fucking icon. I don't understand why that wasn't a huge, like, resounding success. I, well, I mean, I've been fortunate to work on a lot of different projects. Some were, you know, took years and were, you know, really ambitious. That one was an ambitious undertaking, but, uh, you know, all roads lead back to the two hours we spent in the Capitol Center parking lot. I mean, I can't really answer why that one didn't 
catch, you know, take hold or catch on. It, uh, it did get released on a home video. Um, it was uh, put out by Good Times Home Video, like in 1997. And uh, it just, you know, just got lost in the shuffle. And it was kind of an early reality show. I mean, the thing was, it was... Uh, a lot of what you yeah. were doing actually kind of was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, it really did have a, uh, you know, has that, that, you know, early stamp of, of being, I mean, but it was really, you know, Verite, it wasn't even Verite, really. I mean, we just would take, we had access to video cameras, and we always thought life was stranger than fiction. True life was strange. I mean, so we just went with it and uh, let things unfold on camera. I had access to, uh, you know, cameras back in the 80s and was able to take. Which was stuff. a big deal back then, right? Well, sure. I mean, no, nowadays everybody's got a camera on their phone and things are being documented endlessly. You know, photographs, videotaped. There's just this glut and everywhere. Everything is being recorded all the time. Do you but, feel displaced by that as a filmmaker? No, not at all. I mean, I, I, you know, I love all the tools at my disposal now. I mean, I, don't, I think it's always, it's always tough to get. Know, eyeballs on your on your work uh but uh nowadays you've got the online universe so it's like i mean you know back when i started i mean you had to be at a film festival um which was a problem because i only worked in video and back then you had to make film you know they didn't take video in film festivals. yeah so it was really kind mm. of a conundrum and you had to just so in the, in, in the case of heavy metal parking lot you know we just and any work i was doing in the 80s you just gave it out on video. You just passed it around on video. VHS uh, gave people copies of stuff. And that's, but that's what much... made it successful, right? And I'm, I want to dig into heavy metal park a lot here in a second, but just to kind of um, get off script here, like if you made that movie today and threw it up on YouTube, it would just be another of a billion voices out there in the white noise of digital you know, the digital universe. But what made that movie special is it showed up in my buddy Steve's living room in, in 1989, 1990, whatever. That's what made right. that movie special is you had to fucking work for it, right? It's like, dude, I got to get a copy. I had to hook up two VCRs and I had to make a copy and put all these different wires together, make a copy of it. Then I had to get a bunch of my friends together and watch it like a viewing party. It. Where now yep. you just click YouTube and go, I might watch five seconds. I might not even make it through the ad or whatever that's on YouTube. Exactly. Like, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, back then you had to really work for it. And uh, I guess, it, you know, we were just a product of that time. And that really helped, I think, with uh, what's ultimately the, you know, legacy and shelf life of it. That, um, that and the fact that, you know, it's documenting something and it, from a time and place where nobody else was really documenting anything so it has this kind of anthropological quality i mean i yes, can go on and yes. on about it but uh you know i just talk well you know i'll tell you what i'm sure you've heard a million times before i i'm from waldorf maryland i'm from a place that was pretty conservative in fact when i was in high school waldorf i don't know if you remember this odell but waldorf had banned mtv comcast cable yeah, was uh, it yeah. wouldn't even comcast i think it was comcast wouldn't even carry MTV yeah, it was, because the city council yeah, got together and banned it. Yep, yeah, because I remember it was uh, they banned it, and then we ended up getting like what was it like Jones Cable or something, and they and they actually that was the first time I saw MTV. Well, yeah, in Charles County because I remember 
growing up and going to see my uh, to my uh, aunt and uncle's house up in uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, and they had MTV and they had the same company, and we were like, "Man, how do you guys get all these videos and stuff? We don't get this down our way." I mean, we have, and at the time, you know, we the only video thing we had was VH1, and and you know, VH1 sucked at that time, so it was like. Oh, we got a sucky VH1. You guys got the cool MTV, and and um, they eventually yeah, they took the round. Oh, that's amazing! You guys actually had it banned. That's interesting. That's really <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not surprised, but um, well, that's why your movie was such a big deal, right? Because here it is, our culture, our little counterculture. Because I was a metalhead in the '80s and early '90s until I got into punk, and our counterculture was so like disgusted by all the parents. It was the whole play of the records backwards and yes. you're going to, uh, you know, you worship the devil. Like there was a huge backlash against heavy yeah, metal to, guys in Waldorf. So we that's had that, why that at the church. Yeah. yeah, we had oh, the, the, yeah you know, they, they used to give us the videotapes and in, in our youth groups of, you know, take this home and watch it. And it was like all the music. And then if you slowed it down or reversed it, it would say weird things. And I remember me and Ben story used to just get a kick out of it because it was just like, this is so ridiculous. But yeah. Yep, you, you, you used to, you actually had it banned. I mean, you had the, you got it, you got a list of records at church that you weren't supposed to listen to. Is that what you what, said? They, no, they had, they had a video. It was like, it was like this. You, you probably remember this, uh, um, uh, Jeff. It was a, it was a video, and what they would do is they would give it to like the youth groups at churches, and what it was was like some narrator talking about the hidden messages in heavy metal oh, music. Right. Yeah, the, the hidden messages in pop music because they even had like Michael Jackson Thriller on there. Yeah, They're my like, friend Lisa all, you, at the you time. You can find got... that on YouTube. You can probably find that on YouTube now. Yeah, along with yeah. Oh, Madness yeah. and all those other <laughs> propaganda films. But my friend yep. Lisa was like, dude, I never heard of Alice Cooper until my church gave me a video speaking out against Alice Cooper. Now I love Alice Cooper. So it kind of yeah. had the opposite yeah. effect with a lot of the kids because it was taboo. It? Yeah, yeah, interesting. No, it's true. I mean, of course it would. I mean, that was around the time of the PMRC hearings. Oh, yeah. In, uh, that was in 85, yep. so that was a year before we shot Heavy Metal Parking Lot. But, um, no, I just, that was at the advent of my career, and it's 30 years ago. We have It's the 30th anniversary this year. I know, Metal that's Parking incredible. Lot. It's incredible that that popped up on my radar. Let me ask you this. When you filmed Heavy Metal Parking Lot, was this a situation where this was kind of like, hey, I want to do this thing. I think it would be cool to do this. But you had no idea you wanted to be a filmmaker. And the film was such a great experience. You, at that point, you're like, oh, I'm going to be a filmmaker now. Or did you always know you wanted to be a filmmaker? And you're like, all right, let me get out here and start doing some projects. No, we we wanted to be filmmakers. We, we were aspiring documentary, documentary filmmakers. John Hine and I both had that you know, in our, our goals and our career goals are that was in our sights. We were making films separately before we met. Wow. Uh, and John, John actually worked on John Waters polyester. And, uh, I was running, I was doing public access video. I was already making my own projects and I was John Waters called out. your movie creepy, by the way, I read somewhere. Oh yeah. You know, it said it creeped him out. So yeah. that's yep. great. That was, that was a ringing endorsement from, John Waters, which we're very, <laughs> very grateful for. Believe me. Um, no, I really, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it was amazing to see that, you know, it, it took years for it to really catch on. It was really just through tape trading and 
we knew we had something entertaining when we shot it, which was just kind of on a lark. I mean, we were serious about it. We didn't, you know, goof around. I had, I had, you know, I was responsible for the gear. It was from my studio that I was running and, um, in Capitol Heights, Maryland, actually not, not too far from Waldorf. Yeah. I know. Um, Capitol yeah, Heights. Yeah. 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 I, I grew up in, I'm from Prince George's County and I grew up in, uh, in, uh, Bowie and I went to university okay. of Maryland. And so I'm a, I'm a local. I of course went to the Capitol center to see concerts and, but I wasn't a heavy metal fan. Um, and, uh, I mean, I wasn't dismissive either. I mean, I certainly liked, you know, some songs by heavy metal acts, but I wasn't you know, going to see bands, going to see shows or buying records. And so, uh, but I love music and, you know, I love punk, what have you, new wave, whatever you want to call it or label it alternative. I just, um, I came from college radio where I was, uh, kind of this free form, anything goes in, uh, college at university of Maryland. And I, I, like, I, when I was got into running the studio, I just had this, you know, idea to really kind of do unusual things. I love subcultures. When John and I met, we both really hit it off. John Hine, who I made have a metal parking lot with, he, he, he's from Baltimore. And we just, uh, yeah. we both really connected and, um, you know, started to dream of projects we wanted to, to do together. And John had the idea to do heavy metal parking lot. I had the gear for my studio. We just uh, picked a random. I mean, we had we we decided we would do it in May, and, and and kind of decided on this one concert. It was a Saturday night, so it was convenient. And uh, well, why Capital be, Center, not say Civic Center, since that was probably well, the same. Difference. Capital Center had the uh, you know you needed the tailgating. I mean, Civic Center didn't have the people gathering. I mean, we knew you at the cap center, you tailgated, you hung out mm-hmm. you partied in the parking lot. And Good so point. that was, we, we weren't going to go into the concert. We had, we never went to the concert and didn't intend to. We just wanted to talk to fans hanging out. And so that, you know, we paid our way to go in there like any concert goer, whatever it cost to park. And then took uh you know just got the camera out and we thought we might be harassed or you know got in trouble whatever we just we didn't we thought we might be taping some you know uh, drug deals who knows we just but yeah like guerrilla filmmaking it was it was totally guerrilla filmmaking and uh you know we we walked around for two hours we only spent two hours there and we taped about an hour of footage and luckily, within that hour of footage, um, there was 15 minutes of pretty raw, I mean, raw in a good sense, just a real, you know, unvarnished, uh, in-your-face um, fandom. I mean, it wasn't even, I mean, it really kind of transcends heavy metal because we, we went and made Neil Diamond Parking Lot 10 years later, and those people were just as passionate as the heavy metal fans. And it just, uh, you know, luckily, we've, we just we had pay dirt, you know, we really caught something that, that night that we went out there. <clears throat> I mean, other people have done things. Could that have happened and, anywhere else under any other circumstance? In other words, if you me. went to like the MCI center at a Slayer concert, do you think you would have hit the same magic 
or was that such a good idea? Any parking lot you walked into, you would have been able to strike that same goal. Absolutely not. It was just that time and place and the people that we got on camera. It was just mm-hmm. a lot of random dumb luck. I mean, it really was. We were very fortunate. Everything just kind of lined up for us. And the fact that it was Judas Priest, I mean, they're still relevant. The music holds up. You know, they're still, you know, icons of that, you know, music. I mean, the people that are being talked about, you know, Metallica, Madonna, you know, they're still yeah. relevant now, 30 years <laughs> later. You know, the people that are, um, you know, just, it, it just was, uh, I, I can't, really explain how it happened but thankfully it, it, it did it just kind of we didn't have any agenda except not to drop the camera you know that was uh-huh. the whole and and yeah, yeah. just walked around and taped people you know, people were everybody i don't remember a single person not wanting to go on camera you know? after the fact though do you get a backlash over the years do you get people say look you're not even a metal guy you're kind of exploiting this community or even making fun of this community because you're showing you're with this backlash against media now are people coming out now and going you're picking like the biggest dumbasses they are going grab a coke man and you're kind of exploiting that and showing the worst of that community do you get well, any I, of that in this anti-media yeah, age oh no no over time we've heard that i mean it's not all a love fest i mean we definitely get some criticism i mean i'm the first to admit i mean anytime you turn a camera on somebody you're you know you're altering the the universe and the you know it's it's, you know there's a degree of exploitation when you're i mean what we didn't make a verite film you know we weren't just letting the camera roll i mean we did cut it to you know the most entertaining content and we did and anybody who was sober are uh you know not that entertaining on camera they didn't make the cut i mean i, I think if I, you know we made that when we were in our 20s i mean we were starting out i think it'd be different film now as a more seasoned filmmaker and understanding what you're doing i wouldn't necessarily i don't think it would we would do what we did but it was just from that i mean most of the was the feedback is generally always positive you know there are you know occasionally there's criticism um but is but are there new people to get turned on to it that go just like odell was telling a story earlier one of his bandmates were like oh let me check out and see if my parents are in this because he's quite younger than us we're in our mid-40s um when do a lot of new people get turned on to it or is it a bunch of people our age going wow this film really took me back i forgot the hairstyles and the tight jeans and the music and the camaros or is it more like new people are like this is a real like lens into the past that I haven't seen before? I think it's a little of both. I mean, it's always a, you know tapping into the nostalgia from people who were there and and really you know nostalgic for that experience, whether they were in the parking lot or not. You know, they can relate to it, and mm-hmm. and that's cool. And then you know, it certainly finds new audiences and people that are, look at it you know academically and. You know, just as pure entertainment um, and as a music documentary or music fan documentary. I mean, we, we're very lucky. <laughs> you know, I'm lucky that people are talking about anything I've done. You know, any filmmaker, you know, that's all you can really hope for is that you're still relevant or talked about. And I just, I can't really, I can, I can just try to explain it and understand it. Um, I've certainly talked about it endlessly over the years, uh, but but uh, you know I I just know look people I always cringe 
Like if somebody wants to, you know, if I'm in a situation where somebody, and I'm very flattered when somebody likes my work or likes it, when, yeah. when they will, uh, you know, say, um, hey, uh, this is the guy who made Heavy Metal Parking Lot. I'm always like, because uh, nine times, rather 100% of the time, <laughs> they don't know who, what that is. They've never heard of that. You know, <laughs> they don't know. They, they've never heard the film. Well, like I said, I was amazed when I ran across it on Roku because I was under the impression when I was a kid, and that's the last time I had seen it, that my buddy Steve brought it over. I was like, oh, some random friend of a friend made this movie. and I didn't even think of it as a movie. I just thought of it as a home video. And then when I ran across it like a year ago on Roku, I was like, holy shit, this was like a legitimate thing. So do you run into that? Because I was shocked. And once again, it had a huge impact on me then, being from that culture. And 20, at this point, almost 30 years later, seeing it again and being taken back because it is it was right up the street. I have been to many shows. at the My first concert were at the Capitol Center. Is that, yeah, that's great. Yeah, you can really, so you can really identify with that particular yeah. experience. I mean, other people just kind of connect with it because it really captures something that they experienced at their arena or where, and mm. you frankly didn't even have to be at that show. I always said, you know, is that you were either you know, at that concert or you sat next to someone in homeroom who was at that concert, you know, you just kind of through osmosis, you just, you just absorbed that musical osmosis. Experience. <laughs> musical osmosis. Exactly. Sweet. Yeah. Odell, cool sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, Odell. Oh no, no. I, I just think the cool thing about the whole scenario of the whole, of the, of the, of the movie is, is, is the way that we watched it is the same way that a lot of the band, you know, I've read so many stories of how bands in the 90s, you know, that was their thing. They had a copy of that, you know, uh, you know, right. guys, guys from Nirvana had a copy of it, you know, and they oh, got it the dude. same way that, yeah, and they got it the same way that we just so happened a friend of a friend had it. And they were like, gosh, you got to check this out, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden it's like, yes, this is, this is it. This is, I remember this. And, and, the, and the really cool thing about it is I was, uh, uh, showing it to some friends uh, last weekend, and they were like, you know what, you could take this moment right here, this, this 16, 17-minute video, and you could put any era in it, and it would like sort of work, because you can basically put what you've done and be like, I remember hanging out at the parking lot and going to, the dead, to a dead show, or I remember hanging out at you know, the parking lot before going into the HF festival and you had, you know, the random people out doing it. So it really relates to everybody, even though it, it, it took place in the, in the, in the mid to late eighties, you know, people can still look at it and be like, wow, my parents, like, like I was telling Nick, you know, my friend was like, yeah, my parents, you know, they used to do that. And it's so crazy to see that they did the same things that I did. So it, it, it really touches uh, people in so many different ways. I mean, it's gotta be crazy for you, right, Jeff? Like, um, Odell just touched on it. Nirvana's looking at this video, Sonic Youth, that this video just making mass bootleg copies on VHS of all things. And that's, like I said, no. you have to work for that. And Nirvana's having viewing parties of this film. That's How, how does that affect you? How does that impact you as a filmmaker? Um, it, you know, it's fantastic. I mean, I'm, I still, you know, it's, it's a, it's a great, great honor. And it, it, it's just, it's incredibly cool. I mean, I'm, I think it's great. Unfortunately, you know, I mean, you always gotta, you know, it's just the one thing. You know, I just, 
I, I'm, I'm grateful to be known for anything, you know, even though I have a strong, large body of work after that. I made that yeah. when I was 25. I'm 55 now. So wow. I've done a lot, but all roads lead back to that. So, and I'm very, very, you know, glad for that. But, uh, you know, overall, I, but like I say, I mean, people, scores of people out there don't know about it. And, uh, and haven't seen it and haven't heard about but it. But you made people um, feel inclusive, and that's important. Like I said, me and my friends, and I'm not just I'm not just like blowing smoke up your ass because you're here. Me and my friends watched that movie, and we felt like, hey, our voice is heard. Somebody actually went out with a camera and thought this was important enough to film it. And then when I look back at this fucking time capsule on Roku of all things, thirty years later, I'm it, it kind of makes me feel empowered. Like I mattered. My voice, my heavy metal Motley Crew listening to voice, a guy who was in a band called Cat's Eye, Alive and Untamed was our like little demo tape. Feels empowered by that. Like, hey, we mattered enough where somebody wanted to capture our culture on film. And I think that's a big deal, right? Oh, of course. I mean, it I just works for, on so many different levels for people. And for, for me as a filmmaker and all for, you know, for, I'm speaking for John too, really, um, you know, just, I, everybody kind of gets something different from it. But, they do. You know, they do. Yeah, you know, but and you can kind of, you know, it just takes you back to that. I mean, I think it's cool that it, you're looking at it like that. I mean, the one very important thing for me this 30th anniversary year was to really kind of celebrate the people, the stars of it. I mean, John and I have been very fortunate over the years to be, you know, in different uh, opportunities to. Yeah, because you've worked for the Discovery about. Channel, and you've done a lot of other yeah, things outside yeah, of this. Yeah, yeah, I, I have. I do have a, a, a you know, a, a film body of work and a a, a, a resume and a, a TV career and video and documentary career. But but the thing is, what was important this year and now uh, was to kind of really you know pay tribute to the stars, let the stars, let the people who really made this film a success, really made it, you know, they're the ones who, if it weren't for them, we wouldn't have it. You know, it was great to have them come to the screenings and really, you know, get interviewed at times from in different Yeah, you know, they've become um, cult icons themselves, right? I mean, that Graham, Graham of Coke guy has a book out. And Zeberman, yeah. I mean, I saw Graham of Coke was on it. When I Googled some of your stuff on YouTube, Graham of Coke came up on different podcasts. I saw different stuff, mm-hmm. articles written about Zebra Guy. I mean, and it's like they have these weird nicknames because they've just be they're so, they became lovable characters, kind of like when Ozzy Osbourne was a devil who was going to eat your kids. And then right. they made an MTV show about him. And all of a sudden, the same asshole jocks that used to beat me up for listening to Ozzy had the first three seasons of the Osborne on DVD. And they're like, I love this wacky Ozzy guy. Like, the film really made these guys lovable, and they kind of took on a whole universe of their own, a whole personality of their own through the oh, film. No question. There's no question. You know, it really is. It's, it's amazing. Um, and, 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 and that's cool. I mean, especially it was really neat now to you know, be able to get them to come and take their well-deserved bow and you know we have a, a whole wall with them at this exhibit at the university of maryland uh yeah i was about to it. talk to you yeah. about that that's yeah. awesome that is really cool yeah we had a lot of friends that went to university of maryland odell you went to frostburg did you go to university yeah. of maryland didn't you go there your first year or something and transfer to frostburg no no i took i took classes there during the summer 
Ah, like okay. Because I know Serge uh, yeah. went to University of yeah. Maryland and Jason, and Serge we spent went, a lot of time yeah. up there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Maryland's my alma mater, and I've just, uh, you know, are we've all connected to it, whether you went for a, you know, a, a, a period of time, or you, you, uh, you know, live in the state or, or from the state. I mean, that's our premier institution, um, I suppose, public college. But we, this is where I chose to donate my archive because I have a lot of stuff and there's yeah, a mass media collection there that an archive that took by you know source materials and tapes and you know i needed to get it out of the storage unit and find a home for it and so they also put this exhibit together to commemorate the 30th anniversary yes i read about that nice. and, and so so it'll be up till next may uh may 2007 so if you're in college park at all and want to see it it's in the clarice smith um it's center it's, it's next to the performing arts library you know it's like a gallery and it's cool they really you know did a great job and we have a wall there of the stars we have we have a huge banner for the capitol center i mean the cap center was a big part of this and part of yeah. the story and I, mm -hmm. I wanted to pay tribute to the cap center as well as to uh the the stars of the film and you know our our great fortune with uh, the video and kind of chart the how it happened because it was like you know a pre-viral viral video yeah absolutely and let me ask you this and uh, we got a few minutes left so we might run a couple minutes over but this is a point i really want to hit i went and i saw heavy metal parking lot just randomly a year ago like i said but recently i went back on my ruku box i searched heavy metal parking lot like six or seven different indie channels came up with your movie you put it on. There's a little ad at the front end. They're making, you know, they're monetizing it. They're making a buck off it. When the movie's being passed around on VHS, and you're like, "This is pure. This is grassroots. This is cool." Is that a different thing to you as a filmmaker than it, when it's being monetized by random people on Roku and they're actually making a buck off your blood, sweat, and tears? Or do you not care about that? Do you just want it to be out there as much as possible? I mean, the genie's been out of the bottle for so long. I mean, nobody's making any great money. I mean, and if we, I don't even know what, I can't imagine. Well, I know we're certainly not the only ones that have probably been, you know, co-opted or stolen or presented in a way like that. I, I don't know. We probably got on the Roku legitimately, I guess. I think. I don't know. We're tied in with Snag Films, which is actually, uh, was owned by Ted Leonsis, who was, you know, being a documentary filmmaker as well as a, or he wanted to be. I don't even, I can't even keep up. With, with, but the thing is, the um, uh, we're tied in with some legit outfits. But honestly, if you go on to YouTube, it's been posted everywhere. You know, I mean, not yeah. not everywhere. I mean, a lot of people. I'm just saying, people have taken it and posted it themselves, um, and. Whatever fraction of a of a cent, you know, gets back to us, we haven't made much with this. And, right. Uh, and I just think I, it's like the fact is now it's almost too easy to get to see it. And and people say a lot of times I, mean, I, I hear from people or indirectly it's like people say, oh, oh I haven't haven't seen that. I've always wanted to see it. And, it's like my girlfriend says, well, well, knock yourself out. It's only 15 minutes long, you know, and it's right here. You can just pull it up. 
It's, do you wish it was longer in hindsight? Do you wish like you had an hour of footage to stick up there? Or do you think 15 minutes is a sweet spot where everybody can just kind of dive in for just a short, rich, like very visual adventure mm-hmm. into the past time capsule and then jump out? I think uh, I've seen the hour of it and it's not, <laughs> I wouldn't want to have that available because uh, I don't think it's, there's a lot of just stuff that's, you know, it might be good at, you know, historically and academically, but not for a documentary. Um, but I mean, sure. I, 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 but you know, you have to have a story. If you, anything. I mean, I think a, an hour of that kind of pace, you know, you don't, you can't do it, but what we, what we did. You know, I agree. Uh, for now, I mean, 15 minutes is, is, works it leaves you one and more it really does well no i mean that's cool i mean and and we at one point and after we had gotten you know hip to how it had you know traveled around the country and was taped and traded and dubbed what have you we we realized we needed to get it out of mothballs and um and that at one point we decided let's do something let's find some more material let's let's find some outtakes and screen that. And we were able to wrangle about a, I don't know, about other five or six minutes of material out of those, that hour of footage. So there was a lot of filler. Well, it wasn't, I, there's a, I, I strike that not filler. There's a lot of the, the camera looking at the, at the pavement, you know, there's wow. just a, wow. it's not, so, so we really, we had a really low shooting ratio. And again, that goes back to, we really were lucky to get everything kind of line up. All the stars lined up for us. And the fact that it was Judas Priest and the yeah. fact that we ran into the right people who, who yeah. said the right things. And, uh, you know, that sometimes only happens once in your career. Um, and and, and, and if, that, if that's the case with me, then, you know, so be it. I'm real grateful. I'm happy but you to have so much it. out there, though. And, I, and here's the you thing. Do. I you asked do. you to send me um, access. I watched it on your Vimeo to Heavy Metal Picnic. And I know they did a parking lot show where they went to different parking lots in the early right. 2000s. That was based right. on heavy metal parking lot. Why do you think those didn't catch fire in the same heavy, the same way heavy metal parking lot caught fire? Why couldn't that magic be recaptured again? Well, um, I think uh, there are different kinds of films. There are different shows. I mean, the TV show, that was neat. We actually worked with... Uh, Trio, which was a digital cable network that was like a sister channel to Bravo. So it was a legit operation. Very few people saw the channel or saw the show. Uh, I posted it. I created a YouTube page for a lot of the episodes. Did it but feel the like same the, going out and doing the no, field work? No, I mean, well, yeah, it kind of, no, that was, but see, in that case, it was a different thing. It was done for television. You know, it had to be like an eight minute segment for and you have commercial breaks and it had to kind of just, you know, be a much tidier package and cut differently. And, and plus you just didn't have that. Did you feel that, inhibited yeah. by that? Whereas you could no, just well, go well, out free we, range. It was, it was kind of like, we, we didn't even work on it that much. They had like another team of people going out. We were lucky to just be attached because it was oh, produced man. out of New York. It was oh, produced wow. out of New York. I mean, we got like, we partnered with some people and they, you know, it was a, it was a, a, a legit big TV operation. And, do for, for a variety of circumstances. I mean, we couldn't you know, leave our jobs or stuff that we were doing. And plus they, 
they were in New York and we, we worked with them. We we're considered, you know, creators of the show and producers on it. And we did go out on several of the shoots, but we didn't do it all ourselves. You know, we had a, a team, other people gathering stuff. So okay. in this case, there was a lot to choose from and an editor just did it differently. We were just happy to have a show called Parking Lot. You know, we weren't going to, you know, lord over it. And we also knew it wasn't going to be the same because we were we were going to different, you know, parking lots. Some of them worked. Some of them were interesting and others were not so not so good. But, I mean, the only thing only lasted for one short season. Actually, it, it, they did a second season with a couple episodes where um, they did a political convention parking lot. This was like in 2004. Wow, that sounds fun. Sarcastically, I say. Yeah, right, right, exactly. So you can see (laughs) where this is going. It really didn't... That was it. It was over with. Um, And, uh, you know, plus the network went out of business. But it was still cool to be at that level uh, producing content. And, um, And the thing is, you know, heavy metal picnic is a different story altogether. That's like a, a, a documentary. That's a, you know, it's kind of short feature, like it's 66 minutes long. That's different. We, you know, it's just, I mean, it's, well, when I, I watch that hoping... in heavy metal basement and I'm looking at the different, the guys pulling out, um, I forget his name off the top of my head, but Jim the guy, Powell. Jim yeah. Powell, thank you. Jim Powell's basement. Yeah. And he's going through these different Judas priest albums and he makes a reference to the accused. And I'm like, holy shit, I remember the accused. And once again, Heavy Metal Picnic reminds me of the shows we used to throw at Wilmer's, right, Odell? And it just reminded me of that environment. These films take me back so much. I think you're really capturing magic on there that's connecting with people that you can't do with, like, some big, giant, like, you know, Brad Pitt film today. This is so much more personal that you're catching on film. Oh, yeah. No, I'm... I, I'm glad to hear you say that. I mean, that means a lot, especially with things like Heavy Metal Picnic, which didn't catch on. Although it, you know, it had its audience, it found a, a home of sorts. Um, but you know, it's just another piece of uh, my, you know, body of work. We we tried to capture something that would, you know, we wanted to do something in the Heavy Metal parking lot, you know, ballpark. But and also, this was footage I had become so enamored of footage of that time because I, I saw how much people loved it and responded to it. When I learned of this footage of this, you know, party, this field party in Maryland. I how did you learn of that footage? Well, it was actually a, a friend of mine, you know, a guy I knew um, from the, uh, uh, through public access days and he was uh, still, you know, producing, I forget how it came up, but he told me he had this footage from 85 of this field party. And I'm like, well, I'd love to see it. And when I saw it, I flipped out because I bet. It, was, it was the time period. And it was also different. It wasn't, you know, a big metal show, a big arena show it was a, it was a field party, but it was an ambitious undertaking. And, and I don't, I didn't know anything about the story. And as I learned more about it, I then traced kind of back, you know, through, I thought it was all just that, original footage that that rudy childs had his name's rudy childs he's actually got a lot of films under that he's doing now under his belt that are um i think he'd really like them because they're uh also heavy metal about local bands or local you know heavy metal experiences 
He's he's made oh, cool. um, and and he made a film about the band Tension, who were Deuce at one point, and Marty Friedman from um, Megadeth. Is that he he was in the band from? I, I was like, this stuff's really in the weeds here. But if you're into that, you it's 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 all it's you know you'd love it. And um, but Rudy had this footage. I kind of I I just thought that was the story, and I wanted to. Um, you know, get Asylum together, the band who were, were in it, because Rudy had a home video camera. That's what was so unique about it. That's what was so cool about and it. And a CBS mic somehow, well, right? Well, that, that's, what, that's what's crazy. It was like these guys were hardcore. They were just partiers from Riverdale, Maryland, and were just these, you know, they just were wild. And in this case, it, it was like the belly of the beast, you know, right there was in this, in this mix of, 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 of partying, you know, Marylanders <laughs> were, were um, with a, a video camera, a whole video camera from 1985. So it's a, a full year before we had our camera out. So you knew nobody else was shooting this stuff. They had a video camera and they had a CBS mic flag. Now that was a stolen mic flag. It was from the Reagan inauguration from like 1985. That January, one of the guys, one of his crew, Curtis Merkel actually was a security guard for the Reagan inauguration in 85. And he lifted it from a, you know, CBS, you know, news posse. He actually was supposed to guard their stuff. That is amazing. <laughs> so he had this mic flag and they just stuck it on a microphone. So that's what's even weirder. It's not just a, scene and the party and the fact that they're taping people, they're then walking around interviewing people with this microphone. So it's hilarious, I think. And the thing was, I thought that was the whole story. And I was like, showing the band Asylum. And then they said, well, they told me there was a news um, that actually made the evening news. And I'm like, really? And they dug out this beta tape and gave me a copy of this beta tape off the that was taped off the news. I mean, you the beta format, I can't believe they actually had beta. working working deck. But they were able to take give me a copy of this tape. This is Ronnie and Selena Callum and Ronnie's the drummer of Asylum. They had this tape and they showed it to me. I'm like, who's this? It was Billy Gordon. That introduced me to that whole side of it that I knew nothing about. And Billy Gordon was the guy who actually put on this party and he actually put it on at this farmhouse, this farm where you know, Tito and Kenny lived. It was called Tito's Farm. Another guy, Chris, they all lived there. And, and, and that's where they had these parties, these legendary field parties. And that's where Billy Gordon, who was basically, he had this, you know, biker band, but he was this ambitious, you know, promoter, envisioned a Woodstock, if you will, out there. And all this stuff. So that's how that story kind now of we did the same I thing. I just put up some videos. I got to tag you in these videos. Right, Odell, from Burson's house. Where yeah. we had a party where the cops actually couldn't run us off the land, so they set yeah. up roadblocks at ten o'clock at night, eleven o'clock at night, because there was like seven, eight hundred people there. It got out of hand, and they couldn't run us off the land, just like in your heavy metal picnic video. Right. So right. they just set up roadblocks to keep the kids out. And I've got to tag you in some of these videos. I a friend of ours passed away about a month and a half ago, and I put oh, up all God. these old videos. Oh, it's okay. Wow. Of yeah. um, Odell's band, because Dave was in the same band with Odell, with Kid Dynamite, that became Onus. And um, I put these videos up, and when I was watching Heavy Metal Picnic, I was like, this is very reminiscent 
of like recess fest that we threw at Wilmer's, right, Odell, or the person parties yeah. that we taped. Wow, that's great. That's yeah, really yeah. funny. I'd love to see that because that was a you know yeah Wilmer's Park. I mean, you were mentioning Wilmer's that you had did, did shows there. I mean, that was yeah. another big part of Maryland history. Um, oh yeah, and. So what what year was that that you were doing that show? Ninety seven. I did Sunset Festival with I think twelve bands and twelve DJs, and then in ninety eight I did Recess Fest, and I've actually got video of both of those somewhere. I've got a big box of VHSs, and I'll kind of ask you what I asked um, everybody when we talk about Maryland, because you know Good Charlie came from Southern Maryland from our area. Wilmer's Park right. is historic. Is there just something special about Maryland? Or is it because we're all from there? We feel like it's a it's this special magical little pocket. Or does every does Oklahoma have a similar thing that Maryland had? Or is Maryland? I feel like Maryland's truly special in that way, in that time period, eighties, nineties music. You know, I I I guess it might. Um, I mean, certainly. Uh, I mean, look at there's that whole doom metal. You know. Uh, yeah, and Go Go that came out of and, and 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 Go Go. I mean, yeah, I mean, bands like uh, you know Pentagram and Obsessed. You know, they're really iconic doom metal bands that kind of came from Maryland or from this area. Um, and uh, Asylum, of course, and these other, you know, a lot of other artists and bands that kind of sprung up. You know, I guess in that you know genre of of, uh, of music. Uh, Good Charlotte, I don't know. Where would they fall into? What kind of music? Punk, well, it? they said they were a punk band, but they're more of, I don't know. What they, what are they, Odell? They're more mainstream pop now, really. Or mainstream pop rock. Right. Well, they, mm-hmm. they uh, I mean, anybody really, but anybody who kind of made it out of the area, you know, you give them props. I mean, I guess they, they had a pretty, did they still have a, a, a big presence? I kind of lost track. That they do. No, they don't. Is Odell still with us? Odell, do they still have a presence? Did we lose Odell? I don't know. I still have him on the line. But no, oh. they they don't really. I mean, hello, hello, hey, hello. There he oh, is. there you are. We lost mm-hmm. you for yeah. a second. All right, let me finish oh, okay, up with this because we're running way over. Um, Rolling Stones listed Heavy Metal Parking Lot number thirty-three of the top forty metal films. Spin. Number six of the 20 greatest music videos. Um, ranked 16 on VHS list of 100 best metal moments. That's a big, big accolade right yeah, there. <laughs> Let me ask everybody that I talk to that kind of has an underground thing that goes viral. 100 years after you're dead, and I'll tell this story I told on the last episode. I've been getting into a lot of psychedelic um, underground music from the late 60s, early 70s. There's a guy called Moondog. It was like this homeless guy that was kind of like the Trent Reznor of his day. He would go in and make music. There's no lyrics. It's just him playing instruments. And he would put an album out. Maybe they'd pressed 100,000 copies. He'd put another album out. Same thing, 80,000 copies, whatever. He's been dead for years. He, Like I said, he was older when he did these albums in the 60s and 70s. And now he's on YouTube with 6 million views. A hundred years from now, somebody might be watching Heavy Metal Parking Lot on like some kind of fucking holodeck. <laughs> How do you process that you're immortal? That a hundred years from now, people are going to be looking at Heavy Metal Parking Lot, and you're going to, you know, and this legacy is going to follow you around long after you're gone. 
I still got to take out the garbage. I mean, I don't know. I don't really have a, <laughs> I, I don't have any, I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm flattered. I appreciate you saying that. And I hope that it will indeed have a place in, in, in that kind of legacy. But I think you know, a lot of stuff comes along that just uh, you know, still fills up the, the data banks. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, just, I mean, after 30 can... years, if it's still resonating with people like this, I think it's a safe bet. In 50 years, in 60 years, it's still going to be around. Somebody's going to be looking at it. I hope so. <laughs> I know we've done, and I'm glad that we can, you know, be part of the the ride thus far. I mean, I just, um, I mean, I'm glad. I'm again speaking for John Hine too. I'm really glad for it. I'm real, you know, humbled by it. I, I just, uh, and I'm, I'm, you know, really, it's important, and I'm, I'm grateful that the people who were, you know, stars of it and made it what it is can, you know, also you know, take part in that and take ownership of their, their role and, uh, their, their, their fame or their, their 15 seconds on screen or however long they're on there for, um, you know, I just, uh, I don't think a whole lot about it because, um, you know, I, I, it's still, I, I'm, I'm struggle still like with everyday things just, and it's, you know, it doesn't really, uh, well, you made something special, Jeff. We got to cut out of here. We're running you did. 15 minutes you over. Did. Well, hey, oh, thanks, guys and gals and everybody. But I'm really going to send you some that. footage from the Burson parties. These are crazy Maryland parties out in the middle of nowhere. I'm going to tag you in and send you some footage of that. Odell, you want to wrap this up with us, and then we'll find out where we can find all things Jeff Krillick. Thank you. No, I I just wanna... thank, thanks, Odell and Mick and, and Dee. Is that you there? That is, is that, me. Uh, Always yeah, learning. Thank you all. Thank yep. you very much. Where can we I'm find you online, that. Jeff, before you run out the door? Oh, uh, well, it's jeffkulik.com with uh, K-R-U-L-I-K. Then you can just, you know, look that up or have a metal parking lot. You know, Google that or just put that into the URL. Um, I've, I guess the website I mean, you know, these days you just Google somebody's name or a topic or if somebody's got a website. And in this case, you know, uh, you know, I, my YouTube channels, I've got several, which isn't necessarily the smartest thing, but I just, it just kind of grew. And I, I don't, haven't consolidated them all, but, you know, it was kind of fun, Nick, that you kept discovering new things I did. I appreciate that. And yeah, I'm the, amazed by your keep, body keep of people work. people guessing. Yeah. Definitely well, check thanks. out the display at University of Maryland. I'm going. I'm going to go up there and definitely check it out. Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you. Oh, all. no yeah, problem. Keep, no keep problem. in touch. Keep in touch. And you know, Waldorf. I gotta just uh, give a shout out. I always used to love driving 301. I went. I went to Blood Matter and and uh, <laughs> yes, Blood Matter. So, and uh, nice. yeah, just Maryland represent. So. <laughs> All right, I'll be in touch, Jeff. I'll send you the link All to the right, archive man. when we get it up, and I'll send you some videos. I think you're going to enjoy them, some videos from the 90s and our bands and big parties and stuff. I want to thank you so much for calling in today, Jeff, and we're going to play some Judas Priest on the way out the door, right, D? We absolutely are, and everybody remember, uh, Friday night, Drunken Trivia is back. Indeed. Good night, guys. Thanks, Jeff. Good night. Thank you all.